0: right, church, say amen. Amen. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Get your Bible, remain standing, turn to Romans chapter number 12. Now, this is very important. This is one of the most important parts of the whole service. I just come in from out there. There's over a 100 kids out there worshiping God, praising Jesus out in the parking lot. I'm y'all glad you got a church where there's kids want to come to church. Amen. They're inviting their friends, having a big time, and freezing to death. Say Amen. How many of you, how many of you have your puzzle piece? Amen. Raise your hand if you have your puzzle piece. How many of you do not have your puzzle piece? You cannot get out of the building without your puzzle piece. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Matter of fact, you'll be fined a1,000 dollars if you don't have a puzzle piece. All right. Who's got, who's got the box of puzzle pieces? All right, raise your hand now. I need everybody to get one. Help them uh, uh, grab, a, grab a couple of them and help them get them, spread them out, spread them out. All right, everybody's got to have one. Aren't you glad you go to a church where you've got to have a puzzle piece? Matter of fact, give me one of them. I don't want to have to pay no fine, amen? All right. Romans chapter number 12. If Everybody, have you found your spot tonight? Well, let's read. We'll read just a couple verses, and then uh, we've got to baptize tonight. Isn't that a great thing? Yes, amen. All right, Romans 12 and verse number 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of y'all like to know the will of God for your life? Amen. We need to know it. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. Now every Christian in America needs to hear this right here. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Help me read now verse number 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Father, help us tonight. Help us tonight to understand that Christianity is not a Sunday morning activity. Christianity is an all-week thing, seven days a week, 24-7. God, this is, this is, Christianity is a lifestyle, it's not a title, and God, help us to understand, help us to apply it to our life, help us to grow tonight, help us to learn from your word, help us to dissect it in such a way that it will edify us, it will strengthen us, it will build us, Lord, it will correct us, it will convict us, and God, I'll thank you for all that you've done, thank you for the faithful people that's come out tonight, it's cold and wet and and late, it's dark, seems dark, and but God, they're here to hear from you, and I pray that they will not leave disappointed. And Lord, I praise you and I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Christianity Christianity can take on a lot of different uh, a lot of different forms, a lot of different uh, looks, if you will. Everybody's got their own opinion about. Christianity I, I was in I was in life group I was in life group Sunday night and uh, and and in our life group we have we have people that's come from several different places several different churches several different backgrounds uh, uh, matter of fact and, and, and it seems it seems that they were all we all came from the same type uh, church backgrounds a small church type background but it, it, it's like we all came in different ways and different forms every church when they were described was just a little bit different a lot the same but a little bit different and and it's amazing to me how how church can take on what tradition says it ought to be that as something goes by for a certain amount of time an extended period of time uh, that church just becomes whatever you practice the most or, or whatever you do the most. it becomes That becomes what is right. Whether or not it's right or not, it's what you've done habitually for a certain period of time. So that's what it's supposed to be. Why do we sing this song or why do we do this type of service or why do we meet at these certain times and, and so forth and so on to the point that when somebody breaks out of the mold and doesn't and, and do according uh, to the, the tradition, then they're branded or they're, they're considered wrong. Now, Paul, he explains what real Christianity is all about. What real Christianity is all about. Uh, listen, this is a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. You say, but I believe. But does your belief affect your behavior? Because there's a lot of people that's doing a lot of learning, but their learning is not affecting their living. And, and, and listen, it doesn't matter how much comes in your head, it, 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 it matters what goes from your head to your hands, and it affects the way we live, it affects our lifestyle, it affects our behavior, because uh, people don't care about what you say, they're watching what you're doing. And, and so duty, duty, responsibility, doctrine, it all goes together. Uh, you know, it, it, you can believe what you want to believe, but is your belief affecting your behavior? Well, this is what he's talking about here, and he goes real practical. In this whole chapter, he goes real practical. We have four pages. Now, whether we get done, we'll see. Uh, but we, I want to. I want to try to get it all compacted in this one deal. But let's talk about three aspects, three aspects of Christianity I think we all need to understand. Three aspects of Christianity I think we all need to understand. First, the very first verse. The very first verse is really, really critical. I mean, it starts there. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's talking to Christians. Brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, say it with me, which is your, Reasonable service. Now, number one, we're going to talk about reasonable Christianity. What is reasonable? What is reasonable uh, in, in when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to believers, when it comes to those who are following Christ? First, I want you to write this down. I want you to see a reasonable expectation. A reasonable expectation. In our, in our uh, uh, membership class, uh, Foundations 101, Foundations one hundred and one down in the in the rock uh, on Sunday. The, uh, we do it at the first Sunday of every month, and every time I teach, I, I tell them this right here. In our membership covenant, in our membership covenant, most of y'all know because y'all been through it and y'all y'all remember this. Uh, but it says I will do, and then it lists three or four things there. And then number two, I will do, and it lists three or four things there. And then with every single one of those things that we expect out of our membership, we have a Bible verse. Now, how many of y'all think that's important? Now, I shouldn't expect anything out of you, and you shouldn't expect anything out of me that the Bible doesn't clearly expect, Amen. that God doesn't clearly expect. But there are some expectations that God expects that are reasonable. Say, well, that's uh, yeah, that's great, man, It's reasonable. Hear what they are first. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, there are a lot of Christians who don't mind being Christians as long as it don't cost them anything. They don't mind coming to church as long as they're not obligated to anything. I mean, they'll come and they'll enjoy, and they like big churches. A lot of people like big churches because they can slip in and slip out, and nobody knows they're there. And, and, and any time you hem them in a corner and say, man, we'd like for you to get involved and do whoa, whoa, and you won't see them again till next Easter <laughs> because it's going to cost them something. In Christianity, you got to understand, real Christianity is very reasonable, but there are reasonable expectations. What is the expectation he gives us here? First, got to submit. Write that down in your notes. We see the first reasonable expectation. Submit. Present your bodies. God's not going to take it from you. God's not going to force you. God's not going to make you do anything against your will. Before we trusted Christ, we used our body for sinful pleasures and purposes. But now that we belong to him, we want to use our body for his glory. The Christian's body is God's temple because the Spirit of God dwells within him. It is our privilege to glorify Christ in our body and magnify Christ in our body. Now let me give you simple terms on what that means because that sounds real spiritual and technical. Basically what that means is you use your body to make God look good. You use your mouth to make God look good. You use your your hands to make God look good. You help people. You encourage people. You lift up people. You don't tear people down. You use yourself to make God look good. That's what it means to glorify Christ. That's what it means to magnify Christ. We use what God has given us to make him look good. They don't say, oh, what a Christian. They say, oh, what a God. Oh, what a God. Say, why would they do that? It's when you give him credit and him glory, that's when they'll do that. Amen? Listen, just as Jesus Christ had to take on himself a body in order to accomplish God's will on earth, so we must yield our bodies to Christ that he might continue God's work through us. We must yield the members of the body as instruments of righteousness for the Holy Spirit to use in the doing of God's work. In other words, a hammer can be used to build or a hammer can be used to tear down. Listen, you are an instrument. You can either be an instrument in the devil's hands, or you can be an instrument in God's hands. Amen? The, 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 the determination of that is clearly up to you. Will you be willing to submit to God? Now, let's, let's just put, let's see if we can apply this. I like, I, sometimes we get so churchy sounding that we don't really, we can't really apply it to everyday living. Uh. When that person at work is really struggling and maybe they have a tear in their eye and God says, go say something nice to them. Go encourage them and go pray for them. Or somebody's struggling with their groceries at the grocery store and say, hey, ma'am, can I carry that out for you? Are y'all with me? That's using your body as an instrument of righteousness to do good as God instructs you to. It's really not difficult. It's really not. We make it difficult, but when God speaks to you, do what he says. Do what he says, all right? Here's a reasonable exp- expectation. It's re- How many of y'all believe it's reasonable for God to expect us to submit? Jesus did. Father, not my will, but John said it this way. Lord, I must decrease, but you must All right? So the first reasonable expectation is submit. The second is sacrifice. 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 We really in America have no concept of that word. A lot of parents do in some ways, but real, sure enough, sacrifice. I'm afraid that that we have, God has been so good to our country, we really can't fathom and really understand that. He said, I want you to present your bodies a, what kind of sacrifice? A living sacrifice. Now, what does that mean? Isaac gives us a really good illustration of this. How many of y'all remember Abraham and Isaac? You know, Abraham, God says, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a seed. Uh, you're going to have nations come from your loins and so forth and so on. And he gets his son the prize, I mean, his pride and joy, uh, the apple of his eye. He's so tickled. He's so excited. Now God says, I want you to go sacrifice him to me. I want you to go surrender. Basically, I want you to give him up to me. And you know what the deal is. He, he was, uh, Abraham was 100 years old when he had him. And 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 most scholars believe most scholars believe that that uh, uh, Isaac was about twenty years old plus when this took place, and so he takes Isaac. Y'all know the story. Goes to the top of the mountain, but this is the deal. This is the deal. Isaac, and you got to get this because how many of y'all? How many of y'all have seen? How many of y'all have seen the pictures? How many of y'all have seen the pictures of you know in in Bible stories where? Uh, Abraham is tying up this little fella and putting him on the altar. A 120-year-old man ain't going to tie up no 20-year-old man. Y'all with me? So what had to take place? Isaac had to be willing to submit to the situation. All right? Isaac... He willingly put himself on the altar and would have died in obedience to God's will. But the Lord sent a ram to take his place. Now watch this. Now here's the deal. This is where it's going to make sense to us. Isaac died just the same. He died to self and willingly yielded himself to the will of God. When he got off that altar, Isaac was a... Have you died to self? Have you died to your wishes, your desires, your dreams, your wants, your plans? Now let me give you, I know this is really deep and it's really tight and it's really, oh my goodness, I mean we have to, let me give you a little good advice. You will never truly live till you learn to die. Jesus said, unless a seed die and go into the ground, it abideth alone. But if it die and go into the ground, it will bring forth much fruit. What are you saying? I'm saying this. This is the last thing I wanted to do with my life. I've told y'all before, I want to be a veterinarian. You can fix them and they don't talk back. Say amen. <laughs> They'll lick you on the hand and go home, amen. People are different. It's not really what I wanted to do. But I had to come to a place in my life and say, God, it's not about me. It's not what I want. God, Now, at this moment, I can't imagine myself doing anything. I, could, I was sitting at the clock waiting. Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Man, I was ready. I, wanted, I, I couldn't wait to get out here to be able to you know, share what God's Word says because you've got to learn to die before you can live. And the reason that most Christians do not experience the joy of the Lord and the reason most Christians don't experience the abundance and the blessings and, and what God truly has for them, they've not died. They've got, they say, okay, God, you can have this part of my life, but I'm holding on to this over here. And, th- and that, that don't work. But if you ever crawl up on that altar like Isaac and say, God, all my life's yours, whatever you want's yours, whatever you don't. Listen, you, God, it's all, it's all about you. I'm telling you you, you, you have not started living till you've given it all to Christ. We see a reasonable, now y'all, y'all see this word, reasonable. It's not high. You know, we think, we think a little bit of sacrifice is above and beyond the call of duty. And what does God call it? Reasonable. He's a reasonable God. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. He's a reasonable God. And he says, I think it's just a reasonable thing that you submit and you sacrifice your life and follow me. Amen? Listen. We see an, a reasonable expectation. But then we see a reasonable explanation. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the what? Mercy. Say it with me. By the Mercy. mercies of God. Why should we submit? Why should we sacrifice? The verb present here, the verb present in this verse, it, it, it's, it's, it means present once and for all. I mean, for good. I mean, when we make this commitment, it's for good. It commands a definite commitment of the body to the Lord. Just as a bride and groom in their wedding service commit themselves to each other, it is this once-for-all commitment that determines what they do with their bodies. Paul gives us two reasons for this commitment. Number one, it is the right response to all that God has done for us. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Look in Titus. Look at that verse I put on the bottom of your page. Titus 3, 5. Not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his what? According to his, he saved us. Not because you were good, not because you done good, not because you deserved it, but simply because of his mercy, I'm going to heaven. By his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Lamentations 3.22, I love this one, this is so good, and if you are a human being and you make mistakes like me, you ought to just praise Jesus for this verse. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. I need a witness, let's just give him praise and glory right there. Right, come on, give him praise right there that every day that you wake up and you get out of bed, God's got a brand new dose and load of mercy just for you and me. Amen. Why should I submit? Why should I sacrifice? Because he's had mercy on us. Why should I submit and why should I sacrifice? Why should I surrender my life to him and say, I'm going to follow you because I'm not in hell burning like a piece of bacon right now. I need to sacrifice my life because he's been good to me. It's not just because I miss hell. I'm experiencing joy on earth. I have joy in my soul. I'm telling you, this world is falling apart. America is going to hell in a handbasket. But I can stand before you right now with honesty in my heart and tell you I've got as much joy today as the day I got saved knowing that God is in charge and everything's going to be all right. By his mercy, are you all with me? Why should we, why should we, why should we submit? I beseech you by the mercies of God. Look what he's done. Look what he's done. He deserves our best. Amen? He sure does. He deserves our best. We see a reasonable Christianity. But then, verse number 2. Verse number 2. He says, And be not conformed to this world, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Second thing I want to talk about tonight is not just reasonable Christianity, I want to talk about responsible Christianity. Well, that's a word that's gone out the window, isn't it? Taking responsibility for our actions. Taking responsibility for our lives. Taking responsibility for how many children we have. Hello? Responsibility. Responsible Christianity. Look, many people in the world today, especially a lot of Christians, they don't want to take responsibility for their own lives. After we are saved, we begin a process of becoming what God intended for us to be in the very beginning, and that is to be conformed to the image of his son. We must be careful not to get entangled with the distractions of this world and get sidetracked from this destination. It's really irritating to me sometimes when I try to I try to counsel people and help people and, 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 and encourage people and and they want to it's it's kind of like this i mean this is this is the best way to illustrate it. And you say, look, if you stick your finger in that light socket, you're going to have a permanent orange afro. Don't stick your finger in the light socket. This is what's going to happen. If you live your life this way, if you take this action, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And then what do they do? They come to you. finger-smoking, I don't know what happened. Now, the purpose of using that as an illustration because there are several people in here. I could tell the real story, and you won't look anywhere but the carpet because you know decisions come with consequences. And we as, we as Christians want to, we want the benefit of heaven. We want to come enjoy the, the house of God. And, and we want God to help us. And we want God to bless us. and we want, But we still want to do what we want to do. And wonder when the consequences come, what's God doing to me? Am I right? We're not taking responsibility. Listen. do you see two things? Don't you see number one or a? Don't you see the danger of the careless? The danger of the careless. He says, "Be not conformed to this world." The world wants to control your mind. I'm telling you, man. It, you you can't you can't turn on you can't turn on the TV without seeing. Every aspect, not just not the, just the materialistic ways and, and not just the advertising and all that. They want to control the way you think. They want to control everything about your mind. They want you to think that sin is normal. They want you to think that sin is okay. They want you to think that you're weird if you believe the Bible. And they're applying pressure from every form, every way, every direction. The word conform, the word conform means to press to press into a pattern and that's what's happening that's what's happening with all these teenagers that's out here in the parking lot out here uh, that's worshiping Jesus out here they are getting peer pressure they are getting pressure from society they are getting pressure from a liberal agenda in the school system they are getting pressure from all sides to conform to pressure to be what the world thinks is okay Every, everything you see, everything that was done in, 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 well, I'm trying hard not to talk about last night, amen. I'm, I'm, let's, let's move right along, all right? The world wants to control our minds. God wants to transform our minds. This word transform is the same as transfigure. Y'all remember when Jesus was transfigured uh, up on the Mount of Transfiguration? In other words, what was on the inside began to emanate and radiate on the outside. The deity that was on the inside began to show on the outside. uh, There was a transformation. This word is is from our English language as the word, uh, it comes into our English language as the word metamorphosis. Y'all know what a butterfly. It describes a change from within. The world wants to change your mind so it exerts pressure from without. But the Holy Spirit changes your mind by releasing power from within. If the world controls your thinking, you are a conformer. If God controls your thinking, you are a transformer. God transforms our minds and makes us spiritually minded by using his word. As you spend time meditating on God's word, memorizing it and making it a part of your inner man, God will gradually make your mind more spiritual. Be not conformed or pressured into a mold, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me give you an illustration. In today's society, in today's society, God's Word says a man and a woman should not have sex unless they're married. That's what, that's what the Bible says. That's what God says. That's the best way. What's, what's, the, what's, what's, what's the best way uh, 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 to, to, to be what God wants you to be? Do what the Bible says. But do you know what you know what the school system is trying to tell you? You know what liberals are trying to tell you? Oh, that's just, that's Victorian thinking. That's impossible. Abstinence is just, the abstinence is just crazy. That's not what God said. But see, you've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard it. These kids are hearing it. These kids are hearing it. They're saying it's just normal. It's no big deal. To now, what's happening? That pressure is making them think. It's just normal. It's just normal. And then when somebody says and stands up, now now, y'all looking at me all kind of crazy. But when somebody stands up in our society and says abstinence is the best way, they are looked at like an idiot. You know why? Because the devil has so... Warped the minds of people in our society. They're, hey, listen. It's, now, this is stuff that's this is a no brainer. This is elementary stuff. Do you realize that they're they're doing now? You know, with the homosexual agenda, the same way. If you stand and say, "I believe marriage should be between one man and one woman for life." They look at you like you're an idiot. Why? And I mean, listen, this is not just about they are really, really sincerely thinking they're right. You know why? That pressure and that conforming. You say, are they bad people? I don't think so. I don't think they're bad people. Foolish Christians make fun of them foolish Christians make jokes and 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 listen we should we should not be offensive because being offensive and being a jerk about things has never solved anything how do you look at it I look at them as being deceived I look at them as being deceived hey we do stuff here at temple now I would have never been caught dead in this building i have I felt like I was streaking without towels. say man I made fun of people. I criticize people that do it. Bless God, he don't, know, he don't even know Jesus. Until one day, God allowed the blindfold to come off. So how am I going to sit there and criticize and belittle and make fun of people simply that the devil's blinded? The Word of God simply clearly says it. The God of this world hath blinded their minds. Amen. So here's the point. Let's not get caught up in that. Let's not get caught up. You say, how can we get caught up in that? By watching sitcoms and laugh at sin. Listen, the devil has so worked it in our society to a point, you know, just little little by little, 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 that some of the TV shows on today with, 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 the sexuality and the teen promiscuity, uh, the the homosexual agenda and all of that that's in today that's accepted and is laughed at, 20 years ago, you'd have lost your job if you'd have put that on TV. There's just been a slow conforming. Now, I I don't hold that against worldly people. But when God's people are being pulled into that drift. We laugh at it. We watch on TV. Hey, listen guys, we're just as guilty. Are y'all with me? Be careful. Be careful that we don't get pulled into a situation where we are living just like they are. Because sin is still sin. And whether we believe it or not, sin will be judged, and there is consequences to disobedience. Amen? Boy, I'm fun, ain't we, tonight? We see the danger of the careless, but then the desire of the Creator. He says, be not conformed to this world. That's the danger. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How am I supposed to think? Man, get in the Word of God. 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 Get in the Word. What does the Bible say? What does God think? You see, you got to understand the Word of God is God's mind on paper. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being, are y'all with me? In other words, we're supposed to think like He did. What is God's desire for mankind? That He be conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 8, 28. Y'all remember that one? Romans 8, 28. It says, for all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? Verse 29. What is his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Say, what does God want out of me? He wants you to be just like his son. He wants you to think just like his son. He wants you to love just like his son. He wants you to serve just like his son. He wants you to treat other people just like his son. Are you all with me? That's his desire. That's his desire. That's what it means to be Christian. Christian, Christ-like. Amen? Listen, the desire of the creator. Then see, I want you to see the development of the Christian. And by by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way. Being transformed into the image, this is one thing that fundamentalists really have messed up on. This is one thing I'm telling you. My movement, or my movement, the, 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 the group movement that I came up and grew up in, this is where they really messed it up. They tried to do a godly thing the worldly way. The world applies pressure to get you to be what they want you to be. But God doesn't. God doesn't work from the outside in. God works from the inside out. But what we've done in the church world We've tried to take a whole big list of rules and, and, and responsibilities and all this stuff, and we try to make you be what we think you're supposed to be. And what we think you're supposed to be is usually whatever we are. Have you ever noticed most people like to adjust right to wherever they are? It's only right because you did it. Hello? And so what we do is we put a guilt trip on people and say, if you don't cut your hair just like me, if you don't wear a suit just like me, if you don't sing the same songs just like me, if you don't have a dress down to the floor just like me, if you don't do all this stuff, then you're not right with God. We sing Christ-honoring music. In other words, whatever you like is Christ-honoring because you like it. Hello? What are you doing? You're applying pressure. You're trying to make people to be whatever. But see, I've I've not found anywhere in the Word of God where I'm supposed to make people be like me. I'm supposed to tell them about Jesus and fill them with the Word of God. And when you fill people with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will take that Word and it will plant a seed and it will germinate and it will bust out all over the place. Because transformation is from the inside out. I had, to change, I had to change a lot of philosophy. I had to change a lot of the way I thought because I thought I had to just get people. You know, it's that old philosophy where, you know, uh, uh, you, you clean the fish before you catch them. Hello? And that's really not my job. My job is to tell them who Jesus is and love on them and care and preach the word and let Jesus with the word make out of them whatever. And by the way, the time it takes for Jesus to make them whatever he wants them to make is up to Jesus. Well, I'm getting on all this but I'm we need to hear this because some people mature differently some people mature at different times and different stages of, well that person been long he ought to be dressing better than that or he'll be come on man let God handle it he can handle it he can he's big enough amen hey there's something I really want to say right there, but we'll go to see The development of the Christian. Now get this. This is really, but this will help a lot of people. Your mind controls your body, right? Your mind controls your body. Your will controls your mind. Your will controls your mind. Many people think they control their will by willpower but that don't work. How many of y'all that's dieted that knows that don't work? I lost a battle this week with a box of Whoppers about this big. I said I wasn't going to do it. I made a commitment. I wouldn't. I did it. And I'm going to just stand before you today and say it was good, too. Amen. I never realized how good them things was and I didn't have one in a long time <laughs> willpower don't work would y'all agree with that Amen. we usually fail when we try to depend on our willpower it's only when we yield the will to god that his power can take over and give us the willpower that we need to be victorious christians now, now how do we do that now how do we do that that's easy to, that's easy preaching but that's hard live. how do we do that what, what's the practical way to surrender our will to god all right we do that through disciplined prayer We surrender our wills to God through disciplined prayer. And as we spend time in prayer, we surrender our will to God and pray with the Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. We must pray about everything. Let God have his way in everything. To have a right relationship with God, we must start the day by yielding to him our bodies, minds, and... What what, will happen? I'll tell you what will happen. If you begin your day and you say God, I don't want I don't want my will. God, I want your will to be done. He's going to begin to speak to you throughout the day. And you're going to have a you're going to have a decision to make. Now, I'm just I'm just telling you like you're going to tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to remember me saying this because you're going to have a decision to do right or to do wrong. Well, how do I know if it's right or wrong? You'll know. Because the Holy Spirit will be in you and say, take a right. Yeah, that's right. Or he'll say, Turn that TV off. Right. He'll say, You need to put a different C D in that cassette or that, that C D player. Yeah. Or he'll say, Don't respond to that, that nasty coworker. Right. Or or he'll say, he'll say, when a guy comes up to you and say, Is there any ladies around? I got a good joke, say no, but there's one gentleman. Listen, the Holy Spirit will say, right here. The Holy Spirit will say, you need to ask forgiveness. Or you need to make this right. Or you need to, and and you'll have a choice to make. Am I going to surrender to his will? Or am I going to do my thing? And when you depend on your thing, you're going to fail every time. But if you say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but if Lord, if this, if this is this what you want me to do, out the, in the moment, the moment that you obey and surrender to do what He tells you, you all of a sudden have a supernatural power to be able to be David with Goliath. David couldn't have done that on his own. He was just a willing vessel. Just hallelujah! This is good right here. Just as the sling was in David's hand, David was in God's hand. The sling was just a tool. David was a tool in God's hands to get the job done. But you got to be willing to let him. And you've got to be willing to obey. And if you're willing to obey, God will give you the power to do what you need to do. I've had people in my office before and just stand there and say, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I know this is what God wants me to do. I know this is a step God wants me to take, but it just seems impossible. I said, You'll never know till you step. You'll never know you can walk on water till you get out there. Amen? Amen? Amen. Listen, number three, this is the good part. 17 minutes. All right. What was number one? We talked about what kind of Christianity. Come on, everybody. We, we talked about reasonable Christianity. Second thing we talked about, what kind of Christianity? Responsible. How many of y'all know we need to be conformed to Jesus? Amen? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. We need to take responsibility for our life. All right? Now, let's talk about relational Christianity. What does that mean? Being a Christian means you're connected. Connected. You couldn't also, you know, Finger, I'm tired of you. <laughs> really tired of the way you are. So that's goofy. Same principle. So how do you know? Let's read and find out. Look at verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, that <laughs> boy, he knows Baptists, don't he? Why, why, why would he put this verse in here? He knew Baptists. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, according, he said, but to think soberly, accordingly as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, here's the deal. Paul knows when you get a bunch of people together, we're going to have to figure out how to get along. Because when you get a bunch of people, you get a bunch of opinions you get a bunch of ideas. You get a bunch of people with sensitivity. Who get their feelings hurt easy because you got people with different gifts. You got administrators that are black and white and just cut and dry and they're right to the point. And you've got people over here; they're very sensitive, and they're very—you know—they're not; they're just not geared that way, and they get their feelings hurt when administrators are administrating. And the administrators get frustrated when people won't do what they're supposed to do. What they say they'll do, they said they're going to do it. I don't know why they're going to sign up; if they ain't going to do what they said they're going to do. <laughs> Is that sounding like church? You know, you get especially a group this size. I mean, you, you get you get more than one person together; you got problems. Ask anybody that's married. Say amen. I don't know why y'all, ooh, and then ah. I'm telling the truth. Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? Yeah. Buchanan is such a coward. No, man. We can get along great. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me ask your wife. Would you you help me? Amen. She's a coward too. Amen. (laughs) A man once said in a spiritual way, why can't we all just get along? I gotta ask that question. You know, it's 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 real humorous because we're having a good time in, in in Bible study tonight. But what about all the church splits? What about what about all the all the you know hurt feelings and people been friends for years now, and, and 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 issues come up and things take place that that really are unnecessary and shouldn't have. It's amazing how somebody can be a buddy one minute and a mortal enemy the next. Now, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about at the ball field. I'm not talking about at the bar. I'm talking about at the house of God. Let me tell you why. This is why. This is a serious question that we need to consider. Why can't we all just get along? How come when a church grows... We gotta gotta criticize it. We gotta find fault. We gotta, you know. Nobody said a word about temple when we had 30 people. Nobody. Nobody had a problem with us. Nobody criticized us. Nobody had an issue. Because at that point we were not doing anything. So why can't we all get along? Why can't we realize we're all on the same team? Why can't we all realize we have the same father? Why can't we all realize we're going to the same place? Now watch. For centuries, people have not been able to get along. This is not new. This is not just something that's crept it's up. It's been the same way. There's been wars and fighting since the beginning of time and will be till the Prince of Peace returns to rule and reign. In the church, the Lord does want, He does not want this to happen. Paul, in these verses, gives the church instruction on how to get along. Now, we got to do this quick because we're out of time. First, I want you to see this. There's there's several things I want you to see. First, there's an attitude we must possess. Write that down. There's an attitude we must possess. There's got to be, number one, humility in our assessment. We need humility in our assessment of ourselves. We need to understand something. We are a speck of dirt that God dug out of the ground. And anything good in us, it is Him. And we're all we need to recognize our humanity. It's amazing to us to me that that, that we will get offended because of how people treat us, and it's the same way we treat others. People would get offended if if, if you didn't come to their shower when you didn't go to theirs. People would get offended if you didn't call when their person was in the hospital, but you didn't call when theirs was. You see what I'm saying? And this is the point. let, Let me help you understand everybody's human, we make mistakes, we make them regularly. I, I make them constantly. I'm not going to remember everything. You're not going to remember everything. Let's not let's not get grudges and 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 have issues and blame people and 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 get mad and angry at people for just being human. Because we put ourselves on a higher level and higher plane than we are, and we will hold them to more accountability than we'll hold ourselves. He says, "Let no man think." More highly of himself than he ought to think, humility in our assessment. Not only that, but honor toward our affiliates. We need to honor one another. We need to honor one another. Verse ten says, "Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another." We're to honor each other. First Corinthians twelve twenty four kind of speaks of the same. He says, for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that which lacked." Now, he's using the illustration that every person in here, every person in here is a different part of the body of Christ. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. One member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. In other words, when one person in the church is hurting, you should hurt with them. When one person, and, and this is the problem, one person drives in the parking lot with a new car and 50 of them will say, well, I don't know why they bought that. They can't afford that. Instead of rejoice, can you rejoice when God is blessing someone else? As the body of Christ we're supposed to. We're not supposed to talk about them and, and run them down. We're supposed to, hey, man, when God bless you, God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's rejoice together. That's the way God designed it to be. But you can't do that without being humble. Amen? Listen. Listen. The attitude we must possess. But then B, the activity we must pursue. The activity we must pursue. Paul was writing to Christians who were members of a local church. Watch what he says. In verse number four, verse number four, for as we have many members in one body. In other words, I got toes and fingers and eyes and ears and a nose and a mouth. I've got all kind of different members of this body, and all members have not the same office. The nose don't do what the ear does. The ear doesn't do what the eye does. The eye doesn't do what the foot does. Are y'all with me? They all have different responsibilities. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, and then he lists several of the gifts there and how to how to treat them. He said, let us love without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Now watch this. Paul was writing to Christians who were members of the local churches in Rome. He described their relationships to each other and as members of the body. He used the same picture that we just read a while ago in 1 Corinthians 12. The basic idea is this, that each believer is a living part of Christ's body and each one has a spiritual function to perform. Each believer has a, each believer has a, to be used for the building up of the body and the perfecting of the other members of the body. In short, we belong to each other, we minister to each other, and we need each other. Now, what activity what activity do we need to pursue? Three things. First, we must employ our gifts. We must employ our gifts. We've got to hurry. Each believer has a different gift. God has bestowed these gifts so the local body can grow in a balanced way. But each Christian must exercise his or her gift by faith. We may not see the result of our ministry, but the Lord sees it and he blesses Note that exhortation or encouragement is just as much a spiritual ministry as preaching or teaching. Giving giving and showing mercy are also important gifts. To some people, God has given the ability to rule or to administer the various functions of the church. Whatever gift we have must be dedicated to God and used for the good of the whole church. Hold up your piece. Hold up your piece. Now look at it. Everybody has a different color. Everybody has a different shape. There are none of them alike. There are none of them alike. But if we start putting them together, there will be one picture. Now, you could say that this represents your gift. Your gift. It's different. Buchanan, your gift may be different than Eric's. Mine may be different than Steve's. Steve's may be different than Sam's. Listen, they're all in a different way, in a different light, in a different shape. But guess what? We will never get the whole picture without all of them. Now if I ever, if I ever want to see this picture in its full form, what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to contribute. You with me? You're going to have to contribute your gift. Guess what? As long as you sit in that pew and you don't do nothing in the house of God and use the gift that God's given you, we ain't never going to see what God can do with temple. Why? We need it all. We need what you have. How do you know you need what I have? Because God wouldn't have brought you here. We need your gift. But listen, your gift does no good unless it's exercised. I could be a great teacher or preacher, but if i never done it, it would never help you. We could have great administrators, but if they never administrated, it wouldn't help us. Are y'all with me? Now, how many of of y'all got one of these? How many of y'all got a gift? Hello? You all do. So how many of y'all need to contribute? Why don't you take this home and keep it in your pocket? Especially those y'all ain't doing nothing. And every time you see this, I want you to know that I'm never gonna get my puzzle seen again. And temple will never be able to be what it truly can be for Christ until you start doing what God's called you to do. Amen? Employ our gifts. Number two, we need to emanate our goodness. What does that mean? We need to be good to people. That's all it means. Be kindly affection one to another, brotherly love, and honor preferring one another. Just be good to people. It don't hurt to be nice. Number three, we need to express our generosity. I'm gonna just give you these because we're out of time. Express our generosity. You can read this at home. Verse 13 says, Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. By the way, sharing in the Bible has always been free will, not forced. some of y'all called it forced what they did in the book of Acts was not communism or socialism because it was not taken by force, it was willingly given, and we should be we should be willing to share, we should be willing to support, we should be willing to help those in need. amen then see, see the attempt we must persist, the attempt we must persist. what's the Bible say? Verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with... The believer who seeks to obey God is going to have enemies. He just is, period. He's going to have enemies. When our Lord was ministering on earth, he had enemies. No matter where Paul and the other apostles traveled, they were enemies. There were enemies who opposed their work. Jesus warned his disciples that their worst enemies might be those of their own household. Unfortunately, some believers have enemies because they lack love and patience, and not because they are faithful in their witness. There is a difference between sharing in the offense of the cross and being what? And being an offensive Christian. The Christian must not play God and try to avenge himself, returning evil for evil or good for good. It is the way most people live. But the Christian must live on a higher level and return good for evil. Of course, this is going to require two things to be able to do this. First, it's going to require love, because our first inclination is to fight back. But it's also going to require what? Faith. Faith. Believing that God can work and accomplish his will in our lives and in the lives of those who hurt us, we must give place to the wrath, The wrath of God. As children of God, we must live on the highest level, returning good for evil. Anyone can return good for good or evil for evil. The only way to overcome evil is with good. If we return evil for evil, we only add fuel to the fire. And even if our enemy is not converted, we have still experienced the love of God in our heart and have grown in grace. Let's give God praise and glory. Amen. Amen. I want every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second. We're going to pray. Jalen's going to come. If you're here tonight, if you're here tonight to be baptized, if you're here tonight, I thought I think we had uh, a couple that was going to be baptized. If you're here tonight to be baptized, I want you to come. If you're a lady, I want you to come to my right. Are they here tonight, Brother Dustin? You know whether or not they are here. They are here. If you're here tonight to be, there they are. There they are. If you're a lady, if you'll come to this side over here, and, and we'll have somebody there to help you, and if you're a gentleman, come to this side right over here, and there'll be several fellas in there to help you. All right. And we're going to pray. Brother Johnny, would you come up and lead us in prayer? And after you pray, I want you, I want Jalen, he's going to sing a sing a, a verse of invitation. Y'all be able to stand after he prays. And just ask God to help us practice what we, we taught tonight. It's difficult, but we can
1: do it through his grace. Tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to come to your house. God, to hear your word preached tonight, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for our pastor, Lord, and the vision that he has for his church, and God, I'd ask you right now, Lord, you'd help us, God, to apply the word that we've heard tonight to our hearts, Lord, help us to be, God, the Christian, Lord, that you'd have us to be, Lord, in this world as we look at those things that go on around us, Lord, help us be sensitive, God, to sin, Lord, help us be caring, God, to those that are less fortunate, Lord, help us be exactly, Lord, what you've called us to be. God, when it comes to the gifts, God, that you've gifted us with. Lord, I pray for each and every person, God, in this building tonight, Lord, that they would find that place. And God, they'd be able to come to that place of service, God, where their gift, Lord, to be a blessing, Lord, to so many people that's around them. Lord, I'm thankful for what Brother Malcolm said tonight. Lord, you have called each and every one of us. this place. That's why we're here, Lord. We're here, God, to be used. Lord, we're here to glorify your name. God, we're here to be a blessing. God to those people, Lord, that comes through these doors. And Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity. God that you've given us to serve. Lord you've give us a process set up, Lord, here at Temple. God with our foundation classes, Lord, to help each and every person in this building. God find that gift, Lord, that you blessed them with and Lord to be able to use it, Lord, to lift up your name. Lord, I thank you again for Temple. God, I thank you, Lord, for these people tonight. Lord, that are being baptized. Lord, I thank you for saving folks. God, week in and week out. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your power. God, on this place, And Lord, we don't take that for granted. Lord, I'd ask you right now, Lord, tonight, Lord, that you'd convict our hearts. Lord, that you'd mold us and make us to be, Lord, exactly, God, what you've called us to be. Lord, just be with Brother Malcolm the rest of the week, God, as he prepares for the message Sunday. God, I pray for the music. God, I pray, Lord, for everything that goes on at this place, Lord, to be able to honor and glorify your name. Lord, I thank you for the that we're going to have Sunday night, Lord, to celebrate, Brother Scott, Lord, taking the church, Lord, over there uh, close to Huntsville, Lord, I pray, God, right now, Lord, you bless them, and Lord, we just thank you, God, will praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen,
2: hey, well, let's everybody stand, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to pray tonight, so um, y'all just sing along with us tonight.
3: That's what this altar is for, and you don't have to carry your burdens anymore. There's a light in the darkness, and there's a love that's true, and Jesus is waiting, He's waiting here for you time has come to give in to the Lord and that's what this altar is for I'll sing it church that's what this altar is for and you don't have to carry the burdens in Darkness, there's a love that's true, and Jesus is waiting, He's waiting here for you. The time has come to give in to the Lord, and that's what this altar is for. That's what this altar is for.
0: Let's pray. Let us pray. Father, we come before you thanking you so much for the knowledge that you do answer our prayers when we pray. Thank you for, Lord, the opportunity to come before you and, and to grow and to learn and to, Lord, receive the help that we need to be the Christians we need to be. I pray that you'll be with every burden in this room. God, you know what they're there. They're asking and what the prayers are, and I pray that you'll meet those needs. God, I pray that you'll be with, uh, Lord, the family that's being baptized tonight. And God, I pray that you'll just walk with them every step of the way, and Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 All right, just remain standing. Y'all know our Y'all know our policy. Uh, when we baptize, we have a big time. Am I right? These have trusted Christ several, several, several weeks ago, uh, but there's been conflict with uh, work on Sunday, so every time we've, we've been able to baptize on Sunday, they couldn't be here, so we've just decided to baptize on Wednesday night, too. Amen? Amen. Isn't that great? Amen. Because you have trusted your trusted Christ as your personal Savior, it is my privilege to be able to baptize you, my little sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. of your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is my privilege to be able to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hey, hey. Alright. 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 Because you've trusted Christ as your Savior, it's my privilege to be able to baptize you, my little brother. Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right, right, Dad, come on. trusted Christ as your Savior, and because you believed in him, it's my privilege to be able to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. 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 There is a a little announcement about the the fish fry on Friday night and what they're gathering to take the Travis uh, up in New York. Just make sure and announce that.
2: Okay, hang on one second. Um, Real quick, he's getting wet up there, but tomorrow, guess what tomorrow is? Get down here, preacher. Tomorrow is Preacher's birthday, y'all. So let's just send him out tonight. He's not going to be able to, he's got wet britches, so he's going to have to go straight home. So, anyways, let's sing him happy birthday.
3: Happy birthday to
2: I know you got to get your kids, but um, we do have the Fan Fest coming up this Friday night. Uh, they're going to be doing the fish fry up there. Um, if you want to get tickets, somebody's out there, Brother Tim? Somebody's out there right now. If you've never had Alabama football tickets in your hands, get a pair because they look like Alabama football tickets. You'll feel special, all right? So, uh, yeah, yes, Brother Chris. All right, if you want fish or potatoes, they're out there, okay? Fish and potatoes, but there's a list of stuff up here um, that we can get um, that they need. They're also filling a truck, um, and they're going to take that up to Brother Travis up in New York's where he's at, Staten Island. So stop by, get a list of this, bring it, let's fill that truck. They'd love to be able to get a truck donated, fill that diesel up, and take it all the way up yonder and come from Coleman, Alabama, so... All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for our pastor, Lord. God, I thank you for what he means to this church. And God, what he means to me personally. God, I love him with all my heart. And I thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this place. God, be with us, lead us, and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains.